0: All right. So hey guys, Tom Miller here from Leaders Building Leaders, and I am very excited to be here with you today, our school leadership community, um, and and you know joining me is going to be other members of our team and other members of our uh, uh, community. So I first want to acknowledge uh, Katie Ridenauer. Uh, You know Katie's been my uh, teaching partner, my really good friend, and she's going to keep me on on track uh, today as always, and you know she'll add tremendous value to the conversation, which which uh, she always does. And, and Katie and I, we work with dozens, dozens of uh, charter schools and traditional public schools and private schools across North and South Carolina right now. And w- we're coming off what I believe is maybe our most, our most important week and our most, our most important um, initiative. And that's called the, the school leader uh, consortium, the school leader consortium. And, um, let me get this view here. Let's see here. we got everybody on here. All right. And so the school leader, uh, consortium this week, and I see you there, Kate, I'm going to, I'm going to unmute you. If you want to, you want to chime in with us. Perfect. Thank well, you for good joining Good morning, us. everybody. And so the school leader consortium, everybody is, if you've never been a part of it, I mean, just this past week, we had 40 leaders, uh, from across the state participate and join us at two different schools, two different high performing uh, public charter schools. And, you know, and 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 you get to tour the school. You get to learn directly from the leadership team and ask them specific questions. Like it's not like reading a book, right? It's not like being on a webinar. You're actually, you're just you're in the culture. You're immersed in the culture, getting to watch students do work, um, ask the students what they're learning, ask them how they know, ask them about the mission and the. I mean, it's just an amazing experience. And then and then you get really high quality training from those leadership teams. Uh, and there's a great we try to really feed people very well and have a great lunch. And then the afternoon is uh, is just more training. You know, like Katie and I really try to take um, of what of what you've learned right through your observations and move from good intentions to intentional action. So this past week, Katie did uh, um, a lesson on values and and you're getting really clear on your values uh, of your organization. And I try to take them through a, um, a thinking partner session, which just really helps you identify what it is that you want to achieve. What are some uh, potential blockers that are in the way, and perceived blockers are real, and then what are some action steps? We uh, mastermind, um, you know, a little so uh, you know uh, um, about that, and a mastermind is such a powerful, powerful um, opportunity uh, for you as as a leader to work with other leaders. And, and, and to get their best thoughts, right? And take your best thoughts and their best thoughts and come up with the best action plan. So Katie and I are really excited about some upcoming initiatives, one being creating mastermind groups for uh, principals and school leaders and teacher leaders across the state, um, as well as what you're all participating in right now, which is the first step of, of our building a uh, cohesive uh, leadership team. And, and so, because what, what, I see, <clears throat> what I see about to happen everybody is that winter is coming whether you whether you like it or not uh, winter is coming and and um, that that can be a challenge for organizations uh, for sure so hold on I'm still trying to get these thumbnails right
1: well while you get that organized Tom, could I share a little bit right. of what my takeaways winter were? is coming
0: right so what does that mean that winter is coming well it means it's gonna get colder out But it also means as a school leader and in a school, the culture of your school is starting to change a little, right? And it's changing because of the climate. It's not just the climate of the actual physical weather that starts to impact culture. It's the climate that every single human being brings into your culture, right? So if you've got a school of 400 students and 50 adults, that's 450 climate changing impact, you know, culture impacting, you know, climate changing, um, uh, uh, you know, like occurrences that can occur every single day. Not to mention, let's see, so 400 kids, that's 800 parents and 1600 grandparents, right? You're just constantly inundated. And so now at this time of year, because winter is coming, you know, weather changes, the time changes, you know, people's emotions start to change, and they bring that emotion in with them, right? They bring it into the school, into the culture. You got you got um, crazy calendar schedules. You're gonna have holiday parties coming up. You know you're gonna have people upset because they gotta work during holidays or they can't see somebody. Whatever it is, and then and then the new year comes and you're like, oh yeah, all right, we're right back on. Everybody's back on track. Everybody's feeling good. They've got their New Year's resolutions going, and that lasts for about. Mm, 10 to 20 days tops then for the next six weeks there's like not a day off i mean you get past uh you know dr martin luther king day there's not really another day off for a while and that starts the valley of despair right everything's going cruising it's high and then starts to fall because all of the work that was done at the beginning of the year got lost in the second nine weeks because of all the holidays and the hoopla and all the habits that just came back, right? You know, Because you know, people didn't change their habits those first nine weeks, they just had some new accountability and then all of a sudden, reality creeps back in for the majority of people and they just start slowly creeping back to where they were instead of heading towards the direction that you wanted them to go. And if you don't have trust, because trust is the emotional glue that's going to hold all that together, your winter is going to be longer. It could be a really long, hard, hard winter for many. So that's what we're going to talk about today, right? <clears throat> so if you're not a member of the School Leader Consortium, you know, reach out. We would love to have you as a guest. You can go to our website, lbleaders.com. And up in the upper right-hand corner, we've got it says um, school uh, programs for school leaders in green. Just you know, click on that. And the first one on the, the left-hand side is going to be about school leader consumption uh, consortium. Come as our guest. We would love to have you experience it um, with us, and you'll see how these schools are because the next next time we're doing it, it's in January, so we'll we'll be in the middle of winter at a couple of schools, and we'll we'll be seeing their culture, right? How are they handling? How do they handing that that long that long winter? So you should have also received a uh, a link to download a workbook, um, and and I've got mine here in front of me. And our new teammate uh, Danielle did a great job of putting this all together uh, for us, and you know uh, getting you something to to be able to collect your thoughts on. So if you didn't download it, um, you don't have to. It'll certainly help you organize your thoughts. It's got some exercises on there. Um, so you know, download and print it, you know, real quick, and I'll be going through that. That'll be a lot of my notes are there, um, and then I'll I'll send it back out to you anyway uh, with with this with this recording. So it's your choice uh, to do that, but I always find it really really helpful. So, all right, today's call. You've waited long enough. You've waited long enough. So, the topic is building trust, and it's a very very important to any leader because I have already said trust is the emotional glue that's going to hold together leaders and followers okay leaders and followers and so and if you've ever been a part of any of our lessons uh, before you know that katie and i are both certified john maxwell team coaches uh, trainers and speakers and john maxwell is famous for saying that leadership is influence in nothing more and nothing less and if you think you're leading but there's no one following you're really just taking a walk right you're just taking a walk But really, now that I think about it, after doing the work on this lesson, if now hear me out, if trust is the emotional glue that holds leaders and followers together, and you're just taking a walk, that might mean that you're not a very trustworthy person, which I'm going to share more about because I'm going to tell you a little bit about my history because now I just went back and realized I took a lot of walks. In fact, I was a hiker uh, for many, many months uh, as a principal. Uh, and and uh, throughout some other parts of my uh, career, so so these next three to four months I mean, they're so ch- extremely challenging for a school leader because I, I it, you know the newness of the year is wore off and you know people are starting to you know creep back in and always are coming back. So this time of year to have this glue is so 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 important. So so hopping into your notes right there. <clears throat> In John's 21 Laws of Irrefutable uh, Leadership, um, uh, that uh, law number six is the law of solid ground, right? Which is, it's, it's, it's in the first section of your workbook. And, and John shares that we build trust by consistently exemplifying competence, connection, and character. Right? Trust, or I'm sorry, character makes trust possible and trust makes leadership possible. Let me say that again. It's right there in your notes. Character makes trust possible and trust makes leadership possible. And trust is like change in your pocket, right? Each time you make a good decision, you create, you know, more change, right? Each time you make a good decision, you collect more change. You you earn more change in your pocket. But, when you make poor decisions you have to give change back out and if eventually if you make more poor decisions than you do good decisions all you have left in your pocket is, is lint right lint and maybe like a like a gum wrapper i don't know what else you got what else you got and that's the and that's the law of solid ground so i want to make sure Yeah, I love, so, and uh, feel free to chime in at any time, anybody, if you want to, you know, hop in, you can, you know, raise your hand and hit the chat, but Danielle wrote, uh, it, it's hard, it's hard to work um, for when, for when, um, when, when their walk doesn't match their talk, you know, right, we're going to talk about that. That's a really, really great, great point. And that's exactly what I realized as a leader is that my walk wasn't matching my talk. And, and, and so, and so we're going to get there. So hang in. Hang on, so, so that's the law of the solid ground. And, and so character commu- communicates uh, the following, right? The first thing that character communicates is, is consistency, right, consistency. Followers need to know what they can count on, right? I mean, it's, it's not rocket science. I mean, this, this makes a lot, it's really easy. It makes a lot of sense here. And then the second one is potential, right? Character communicates the following potential is your second blank there. You can never go beyond the limits of your character for very long. Now, my first years as, as a teacher, maybe some of you heard, heard me share a little bit of the story before, but I was an exceptional children's teacher, and I had this burning desire to lead others. Like, I wanted to be... I just envisioned myself being that, you know, presenter, that person that came into your school, right, the, the, that wore the badge and, and just, you know, you know, came in and, and did some great professional development. That's, that's all I wanted to be throughout my 20s. So I just, I just consumed content like crazy. I went to every training that I could. And, and anytime, you know, someone wanted me to go somewhere and, you know, lead a training or, or talk to a group of teachers, you know, I would do it. I loved it. I really, really loved it. But I'll never forget my principal coming in to me one day and saying, um, hey, we've got a couple of teachers that are struggling with their classroom management. Um, and you're, you know, this is an expertise that you have. we'd love for you to, you know, get in their class, see what's going on and, and um, you know, give them some pointers. And, and then what we would really love is a couple of their students to be able to come to your class uh, during your morning circle and, and just really help them. And I looked at her and I said, um, "No, I, I don't. You know, I don't think that's going to work. I, it just here's the training I went to. Just have them go to that. Right? I'll never forget the look on my principal's face. She was just dumbfounded because she knew what I, you know, aspired to be. Right? The person with the badge. But I didn't understand that leadership wasn't about the badge. Leadership was about." you know, helping others, right? Accomplishing more through other people. So here was an opportunity for me to be a leader, to help these two, you know, struggling uh, teachers with their classroom management. But because character-wise was so low, I didn't get it. I didn't get it. I just, I said no. <laughs> I mean, couple of that with multiple, multiple incidences of, you know, poor character. I mean, some of you may know, I was a gambling addict from the age 19 to 29. So for 10 years, I mean, I spent every single day losing money, right? That was almost my goal day was losing money. I, I, I was doing things that if you knew about, you probably wouldn't be on this call, right? You probably wouldn't hire me to come to your school. I was a person of very low character. And at that same time that I was turning down opportunities to mentor teachers, I was also applying for other jobs, but I wasn't getting any. But, 10, but you know now it's, now it's fourteen years later I, I can look back as it it's because Tom, nobody really trusted you <laughs> because you didn't give them the reason to trust you were a person of low character, and they could smell it. here you know, Katie will you know vouch for me here Anytime we go into an organization and if I get a whiff of something, I was like, mm, there's something up here, something's going on there's a lack of trust there's a character problem here, and she, ah. I was like I'm telling you we can smell our own
1: mm-hmm.
0: smell our <laughs> own because I didn't have character for a very long time
1: and they don't always want to hear it so,
0: you know basically through process of elimination through a process of elimination i ended up getting you know that higher job with a badge but i still had those poor character problems i hadn't learned how to develop you know a trust i mean at the age of 29 years old i was in gamblers anonymous meetings in these small groups and i was learning about words like honesty and humility imagine being almost 30 years old and really not understanding the definition of those words key principles of trust I'll get back to that story uh, later hey Katie is there anything you want to add into that to that part there
1: oh yes and they don't always like to hear it when we when we talk can you hear me okay can you hear me now?
0: She's trying to talk, but I don't. I don't hear her going.
1: Okay, let me. How about now? Can you hear me?
0: Says you're unmuted, Katie.
1: Okay. Well, I don't know what the problem is. Oh, um, you know
0: what? It might be because I've got my microphone plugged in.
1: Okay. So Courtney and Cynthia can hear me. All Thank hang you. Hang on and- a second,
0: Katie. Hang on a second, Katie. Hang on. Everybody else can hear Katie and I can't. All right, well, I'm sure Katie has amazing things to say. I'm gonna go get, I'm gonna go uh, fix this cause I'm gonna need to get headphones in a second. So give me, give me 30 seconds.
1: Well, while Tom's gone, I'll go ahead cause since the rest of you can hear me, Uh, And just share when we go into schools and we sense this lack of trust. It's always a
0: great, great lesson, everybody. Test everything.
1: It is not uh, necessarily a message that they want to hear.
0: Ah, there we go. We
1: give it to them. Can you hear me now? I can. Okay. Well, I was just saying that when we go into schools and we sense this lack of trust, we have to have that difficult conversation and nobody wants to hear You know, your team doesn't trust you. And that's what we saw this week at the two schools, the principal consortium, is that both schools had a high level of trust with their team. And what a difference it makes. That's why they're both high-performing schools.
0: Yeah, definitely. So what has made the difference for me is is I've immersed myself in self-development Know develop others, and that's really made a big difference. You know, for me, and joining the John Maxwell team was a big you know part of that. But really, you know, your your growth is going to occur as um, as an individual. Your trust is going to grow when you grow yourself. Right. That's really the first tip here is (laughs) is if you're finding yourself taking a lot of walks, you got to look in the mirror. Right. That's a that's a big part of of uh, the issue. So, and then the last one is, is, uh, respect, right? So that's, that's, uh, putting up for what's best for the organization ahead of your own personal gain and admitting when you've made a mistake. And that's, that's what I really, really start with. That. So you may have a trust issue. If you hear these words out loud or in your head, uh, my team seems to hold me back is one, or I have a difficulty, uh, you know, time creating, uh, A buy-in or rallying my team. I think we hear that most often. Maybe that's, you know, maybe the most common, you know, a part that came out of the uh, consortium meetings this week was about morale and how did you get the teachers to buy in? And, And, you know, trust is the emotional glue that holds leaders and followers together. Trust is the emotional glue. So if you're having a hard time moving, you know, people, right, and not pulling people, you don't want to pull anybody, Okay. You want them to come with you, right? You definitely don't want to shove anybody either it, you, you want them to come with you and be attracted to you, but not by physical force. That, that, that would be assault.
1: <laughs> can and, I jump in for a second, Tom? Yeah.
0: Ahead,
1: so the first one, my team seems to hold back, I think is critical and that's how you can get such forward momentum is when people don't hold back, they feel trusted, to do what's best for the organization because they have a crystal clear understanding of where everyone's heading. But when people do hold back, you're not getting the best from them. You might even be getting the worst from them because they are, are responding out of fear if they don't have that trust.
0: Yeah. And we're going to get there. So, okay. so <laughs> that's a, yeah, that's a, that's a really good thought. So, um, so, you know, I love this lesson. This is a really, really important lesson. I've already talked about it. And, 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 you know, you, you know, you're going to love it too, cause it's not really just for work. Right. I mean, this is, you know, building more trust in, um, and growing my relationship uh, compass and, and, you know, moving up the levels of leadership has done way more for me personally than it has professionally. Right. That's just, that's just an effect, right. Of, 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 uh, of, you know, what it was. And, you know, the cause for me not to have it was not really looking at myself. So, as John Maxwell says here in his, in his book, Winning with People, a relationship can be described like a painting. Trust is like the frame that surrounds it and holds it together. It provides a context in which to view the work of art. Trust defines the boundaries, right? Just what you know, Katie just started to talk about. Trust defines the boundaries and trust secures it to the wall so it can be enjoyed. It provides emotional structure. So, as we move through this lesson, it's going to be a game changer for you to really, really think about because I, I was operating at a very low level of awareness when it came to trust for a long, long time and and it, I didn't realize how much it was had a massive impact on me so so this so this call is part one of you know seven Katie and I have identified seven steps to building a cohesive. Uh, team and 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 so so this is you know part one of and, and you know we would love for you know folks to be a longer part of of this uh, school leader community and uh, participate in all the lessons and, and 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 you know they'll be dripped you know every single week in our online uh, platform and we'll have some some uh, live sessions because this is a very very busy time of the year but the great part about the program is that you have it forever. And then so you can go back and archive it and you can share it with your team and you can do the exercises and work with it. So so you'll have more opportunities to learn about that uh, later. Um, And but this is this first this is the first standalone lesson because I see building trust is by far the most important. So down there, step one, build trust. Trust is the is the foundation for all teams, all success. I mean, everything operates at the speed of trust. Just, you know, think about if you've ever been in a band, right? Or if you, like my daughter does cheer and she does tumbling. And I just think about, you know, the trust that they have to have when they're throwing people up in the air and the, and the cohesion that they have to understand about if you got to do your, uh, your part so I can do my part. If I'm trying to do your part, then I can't do my part well. And that's what we see most often is we don't trust each other. Um, to do the job at the highest level. So therefore we either do it ourselves, um, which which is a low level, right? So trust is a foundation. Step two is creating clarity, create clarity. When it comes to leadership and organizational health, clarity is the key. And when people know why they're doing it and how they're contributing to that, why? So powerful. so that'll be step two. And step three is cascade Communication. This is from Patrick Lencioni directly from his book, The Advantage. And cascading communication provides a great opportunity to establish clarity in your organization. And when employees in different parts of your organization hear their leaders saying the same things over and over after meetings, they start to uh, believe it. And then when they have different level leaders start to uh, believe it, it creates alignment. And clarity is real and key to organizational health. So we're gonna teach that uh, process and those tips in uh, week three. And then step four during uh, 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 week four is achieve commitment. And so when leaders make a commitment, they build hope, but when they keep a commitment is when you start to build trust. So when I commit, it means that i do it all the time not just some of the time and and so we'll teach you that process of how you how you identify what commitment looks like in your organization it feels like in your organization how you have those conversations when someone doesn't you know follow through and then you can teach it to your team right and multiply your leadership out step five is to embrace accountability and look accountability does not mean micromanaging i mean accountability Accountability to a lot of people is a dirty word, and it doesn't have to feel yucky, right? It's simply identifying what someone is responsible for and communicating when that agreed responsibility has been accomplished or not, right, and how they can improve it. And seeking to understand. So, we'll teach that and provide those resources. The sixth step is to focus on results and where your focus goes, your energy flows. And this was a heavy conversation during the consortium this week about what is your focus? Are you focusing on the essentials and what are they? We find that most organizations don't understand or don't, can't, can't identify their focus. And so most employees, most team members don't know what's the most important things that I need to do on a daily basis. If I don't know that, if I don't know where I'm heading, I don't know what the goal is. If I don't know what the end, if I don't have clarity on where we're going, I don't know what I really should be doing every day to get us there. I'm just going to stay as active as possible so I don't get fired, right? So we'll help you identify those key performance indicators. And the last step is to equip your team. Strong teams don't just happen. Uh, it, it requires solid training uh, to you know, to be effective as a team. So through through your accomplishment of these first six steps, you're going to have a clear picture of what training your team's going to need. And then it'll also help you build a recruiting process for uh, folks in the future. So I'm really excited to bring you this, this, this information. This is you know, 10 years of research, you know, being put down uh, in a, in a course for you. So to, you know, to help you accelerate. And if you, you know hang on throughout the call, we've got uh, some uh, special bonuses and a uh, promo code, uh, which is on the bottom of your worksheet for when you, for when you sign up. So, all right. So enough about that. I'm going to, I, I'll never forget my first full year as a principal, uh, just really feeling something wasn't right with, with my team. I got hired in January. And so my first, you know, full year, obviously was that second uh, you know part of the school year. And so it was just before Thanksgiving break and it was a cold day like it is uh, today, you know, a little, little drizzly. And um, I was like, how can I get these people to trust me? Like when does you know, what is trust? I was like, I don't know, you know, taking risks, you know, belief, you know, you know, I don't know. You know, uh, you know, uh, to me, it was really whoever had the badge, right? Whoever had the badge or whoever had the title, whoever had the position, I just normally just did what they, what they told me to do. Now, that previous weekend, I was down in Wilmington, and I had uh, bought um, a bunch of oysters, uh, you know, for us to, to enjoy. I said, well, you know, let me, let me bring those oysters uh, 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 to a school, you know, some of them. I'm gonna, I'm going to do a mini oyster roast at the end of the day, uh, this upcoming Friday. And, and so I grabbed those and I told one of my staff members, I said, hey, have everybody come over to the grill uh, at at uh, dismissal time. So now listen, it was already cold. It was already rainy. And, you know, dismissal outside for, uh, you know, a charter schools is, is normally pretty miserable time because <laughs> it takes 30 to 45 minutes. So here they are. They're all hovered over and they're coming over to the grill and they're shaking and they're, they're holding there because it's been uh, drizzling. And I started talking about, hey, look, we're all in this set together. We're all on the same team. I really need you guys to trust me. Uh, you know, I, I have a vision. I know where we're going. And, and I, you know, I'm not going to let you fail and, you know, all, all these things. And I said, And so to solidify our trust, I want, I want everybody to do, a, you know, an oyster. You know, let's, you know, do an oyster toast. <laughs> so about half of them actually did it. A couple of them made all the oysters because they loved it and they didn't really necessarily care, right? I was like, okay, great. That was an awesome exercise. So m- when we came back from break, uh, I was thinking things would be different, but they weren't. <laughs> and they were actually almost worse. <laughs> my, my good faith and my symbolism uh, really just showed my gap in ignorance in overall what leadership is and building relationships uh, with people. And the reason why nothing ever changed is because I never asked for their hand. I never made an effort to really reach out to their heart and understand what is it that they want. Every initiative that I had launched up to that point was, was done with little input from them. It was, it was all about me. I mean, even the mini oyster roast was my idea. It wasn't theirs. I didn't ask anybody about you know, morale, how they were feeling, or what, what can we do differently? Or if they good.
1: liked oysters.
0: <laughs> yeah, most of them didn't like oysters, that's right. <laughs> but that I kind of had an idea. That, that was the whole risk part, Katie. <laughs> but i was losing credibility fast i was losing change out of my pocket i didn't have much left you know maybe maybe a couple of pennies so you know it, there there are some signs that employees don't feel trusted so i'm going to share those with you right now so the first sign the first sign is you do all the talking in meetings that's the first sign that we identify that there's a lack of trust and i have found that when people don't contribute it's usually because of one of these two things either Either one, it's a lack of confidence in themselves or, or in the leader, right? Or maybe even a combination of both, which is worse, right? So the first thing is their own self, you know, confidence is lacking or they don't trust the, uh, the leader of the team or the leader of the organization or God help you if it's both, right? Because that's a, really a challenge. And the second one is that the members of the meeting believe that their ideas and thoughts are not going to be heard. And this might be the you know, result of, of the uh, belief that the leaders maybe already made the decision, so why, so why contribute? Or maybe they've been shut down with their ideas, right? That won't work, right? So, so those are the two. If you do all the talking in meetings, or if your leader does all the talking in meetings, there's probably an obvious uh, trust uh, problem. And employees need to trust you that you'll open the discussion to them right? And that you'll trust that their contributions to the overall success of the team and your organization, because without that trust, you might as well be talking to an empty room, right? You're just taking a walk, you know, basically. So when you meet with your team, pay close attention to how much airtime is distributed, right? Do you spend most of the time doing a talking? You're telling them what to do, or is the meeting more balanced discussion right or or a you know problem solution or a think pair share or that mastermind you know group that we led the other day and what kind of interaction is actually happening during this discussion will will people openly disagree with you so that's that's the first one katie i don't know if you this is something that you were actually harping on earlier i don't know if you have any um, additional thoughts on this one
1: I was just thinking about one school where we were this week, where we during the q and a the school leader didn't even sit with her team because she wanted them to answer mm-hmm. the questions and and she has such a high level of trust now she did spend some time highlighting what each of those people brought to the team and and I just thought wow they this and I asked her and her head of the middle school, I said, okay, everybody seems so engaged and so bought in. How did you create that? And they kind of looked at each other and they could not name it. They could not, because it's so ingrained in their culture already. So I'm really excited to see how you're going to name it, like name the steps to building this trust Mm because they have it, but they can't backtrack to see how they built it.
0: Yeah, they're their unconscious confidence, I guess, right? Mm-hmm. So the second one is that when you ask for feedback, you, you hear crickets. Mm. And, I, and I recall uh, facilitating a, uh, a series of trainings for a team and it was, it was a book study. And, and, uh, and, and the number one concern of the principal coming into the book study is that whenever they had asked their team for feedback on anything, whether it was the schedule or the curriculum change or whatever they were trying to do, she never got any replies. Like nobody ever responded. So during one of our virtual sessions, this came up, and I just kind of poked the bear and said, well, you know, maybe somebody will be courageous virtually, right, instead of face-to-face. So I asked him. Nobody responded. So I just, I was comfortable with silence. And one of the, one brave teammate said, well, I feel that by the time that you ask us, the decision's already been made. That was a key turning point for them, and what a you know brave conversation by this uh, by this employee. Employees need to feel trusted to share ideas as well as genuine and constructive criticism. So, so it's just as they're expected to provide it to their own direct reports. Right? So when a relationship is established and communication is open, trust becomes natural in that workplace, and that's kind of what you're talking about, Kate. That's what you're seeing is that this is just natural that we feed off each other and we share each other's ideas and we get to the best idea every good idea every idea is welcome and then then eventually we'll just we'll just you know wear it down to whatever the best
1: yeah they try it out they they monitor it they measure Mm it and then they decide because didn't you hear over and over we're not experts we're just learning and you know we're just trying to figure this out the humility was thick which was wonderful
0: that's true the third one is that employees ask for permission when they don't need it. This was a big one for me. <laughs> employees would ask for permission. And I would, I would be like, you know, why are you asking me such low-level questions? You know the answer to this. Now, over 10 years later, I realized that it wasn't a competency issue. It was a trust issue. And so to address that issue, you know, I, you know, I encourage you to ask them, right, to, 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 to not judge them and just ask it. When you ask me that question, what, are, what is it that you're seeking specifically from me? So then you can seek to understand and coach them. That might be an uncomfortable question for them to have to answer, but they're the one bringing it to you and you have to understand, you have to get a better understanding of why people are bringing low level questions to you. That's a, it's, it's a real big problem. And even if from the other side, right? If, 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 you, if you have people not bringing you information, that's even worse, right? If they don't trust, if they're only gonna bring you good stuff, right, which is the next one, you only hear good news, that's a, that's a massive, massive challenge. So, so this is maybe perhaps the most common sign, easily sign of distrust. So if your employees are asking for permission of things that they've already been told is not necessary, treat it as a red flag right now, okay? It means that they don't feel trusted, and it might not be from you. It might be from a previous employer or previous experience. Whatever it is, got to seek to understand. And the fourth sign uh, I've already shared, uh, you only hear good news. Okay, You only hear good news. And this is, you know, trust always precedes truth. And if you hear from your employees that all is well and everything's going great, you might have a trust issue right? because they think you're too busy or they don't want to overly uh, burden you. and You already got enough things going on. Like if you hear that, I did a lesson on that once. Like if you hear, I don't want to bother you because you're so busy or I didn't stop by because you know, you got so many things already going on or you have so many, that's, that's a, that's a problem. That means that you are, you are not, you are not connecting with your people. So be very, very conscious of that when, their words and their actions are going to display to you their uh, trust and even from the other side if they're asking you low-level stuff you got to ask them what they're seeking right because sometimes people are just seeking attention right and some they're just you know seeking that they don't trust you know the fact that they're able to do it and and they want they want your affirmation to be able to get there So learning the law, you're learning the law of solid ground, right? Trust is the foundation of leadership. I'm telling you, you can find it everywhere. After this, you know, if you didn't feel you were a student of trust, you're going to be a student of trust after this session. After we're done today, and you're going to start to see it everywhere. You're going to start to identify. You're going to start to identify everywhere. So now you might think that trust is not an issue in your organization, but. In a recent Gallup poll, they asked what public entities do your employees, um, you know, trust in the leadership. And it was actually, it was seven out of 10 employees identified on, on, on average, 70% of the employees in your organization think you stink at your job. They don't trust wow. you. Wow. Yeah, 70%, <laughs> 70%. And and the, and the highest organizations that had, you know, the highest level of mistrust were organizations of uh, public, uh, public service. Right. So, so, because everybody has dealt with the public and there's always, everybody can find something uh, that they don't trust about, whether it's education or the police or, um, you know, government, you know, whatever it may be. So be very, very confident Now, you know, the levels they're gonna t- trust will, you know, uh, differ and they're also going to differ you know based upon every person in your organization everybody who leads someone in your organization and remember every room that you walk in you're at a different level of trust with everybody there okay so that's why staying consistent is you know by far uh, the most important so let's consider the consequences that come from these two different types of organizational culture okay so the first one is high trust so this is when employees who trust their leadership they're twice as likely to say that they will be with their country uh, I'm sorry, with their company one year from now, right? So one year, like you guys, I mean, as, you know, uh, principals, like we don't, we, turnover is hard as it is, right? And we think about, you know, just the leader turnover is over 50% in, in uh, public schools in North Carolina. You know, uh, teacher turnover, we just did some work with that. It's on average that ten that 10% of teachers per year leave the industry, 10%. So you're already, so you're already battling that, part of attrition, not uh, to mention all the other challenges, right? So, so uh, you know, high trust is that when uh, twice as likely to say that I want to stay, right? So high trust organizations always have an, an advantage because, because everything moves at the speed of trust. So when uh, people trust what's happening in the organization, it's easier to get initiatives, right? I mean, think about how hard it is to retrain uh, people, right? To, to re-execute orientation. And, and the cost of turnover is about one and a half times the actual employee salary by the time you're done with it because of the recruiting and the marketing and the, and the redoing. So, so even when there's periodic mistakes and decisions or communication, the employees give you a you know, benefit of the doubt if you're working in a high trust environment. And this goes, you know, because it's you know, pretty much charter school people on the call. This you know goes from the board, which you've seen, right? There's there's trust and there's no trust uh, with boards, and then there's you know sometimes someone in the middle, and then you've got your pockets of trust in your leadership administrative team, and then you've got your pockets of trust in your in your school. So when it comes to low trust, you know that's the second uh, um, you know culture. When people don't trust leadership, they they're already planning their exit, right? And they have no interest in making a new strategy for work or creating new initiatives that will work. There's nothing in it for them. And when I go back to my oyster story, that's where I was, right? Because our organization had already turned over, like after my first half a year, 50% of the teachers that were there uh, come under me over those, you know, four months were let go, right? Or left, right? Either way, they were either, there was either a reduction in force, uh, or they weren't meeting their goals, uh, or they left. So, when you're talking about 10 total teachers and five of them leave, that's a significant change in your organizational structure. And what I didn't realize had happened when I recruited five and these five had still remained, I didn't necessarily have the trust that I thought with with those five. So I had created these, you know, uh, pockets, these uh, pockets of trust. (laughs) One was the Tomcats and one was the boxcars, which I didn't know. And so the boxcars called themselves that because they always had cardboard boxes ready because they knew at any time they would lose their job. I mean, think about <laughs> how hard it was <laughs> to get initiatives through when I didn't realize I was so naive and ignorant and, and maybe ego egotistical to even understand that half of my staff kept a cardboard box just waiting for the day that they would be asked not to come back. Wow. Hmm. And if you're not thinking about that as a leader every day you you have a problem because every single day you've got intellectual property getting in their car and driving back home and working with their family and complaining about whatever it is. And the last time I checked, there's pretty much a school in every community in this world, <laughs> so there's lots of options for them to go to. So you have to be thinking about that. It's really important to rebuild uh, the trust and so you know think about how fast things happen in social media and if if you've got if you've got a star employee who is not feeling trust anymore or if you've got your worst employee who doesn't feel trusted i mean just think about the impact that they have spreading information okay? so trust is an attitude back to your fill in a blank at the bottom of page two, trust is an attitude that allows people to do three things, okay? They can rely on, have confidence in, and feel sure about other people and things, right? Trust is an attitude that allows people to rely on, have confidence in, and feel sure about other people and things. So at the bottom, what's your call to action, right? So, you know, write down in your notes, like what's one thing so far that we've talked about? We've been uh, to, uh, 45 minutes already together. What's one thing that you're going to do, right? Either start doing, stop doing, um, or get better at based upon the first part of the lesson. Write it down in, in, your, in your notes. And if, you, if you're open to share, uh, go ahead and type it in the chat box. What's your one thing, Katie?
1: Well, I think it's a lesson that I'm always working on, and it's to seek to understand mm. before I act. And you know, as someone with a dominant personality, it's just so much easier for me to act. But I, I try to just calm down and try to understand the other person's perspective, and and it's challenging. But that's but it, that's how I can build trust with that other person and not just get that task done. Mm-hmm because there will be other tasks. So I'm not going to need that person.
0: Yeah, that's huge. Anybody else? You know, I'd have to say for me, uh, um, I've got a coach and he asked me this last week. He said, what, uh, what stops you from asking for help? <laughs> I was like, oh, I don't know. And so yesterday we kind of joked about because uh, we had a, a bad end to the last meeting. And, um, but, you know, he really made me think, you know, he really made me think about that. I said, I still don't have an answer, but I know trust is a big part of it. Mm. You know, I mean, it just, I feel I can get things done, you know, better and faster, but, what I'm not asking myself and I want you to ask yourselves is if you don't trust somebody, how does it serve you? What are you missing out on? Mm. Because you don't trust someone, right? Well, that makes me
1: think that trust mm -hmm. requires thinking. (laughs) I mean, which sounds really dumb to say, but I think that's the problem is that we don't take the time to think and we just Mm -hmm. react. Mm -hmm. So if we'd slow down and actually process the situation and think through it, you know, we're going to naturally build that trust
0: too. Yeah. Yeah. You got to slow down to speed up. So, Mm -hmm. so, How, how will you know? So, you know, I'm on page three now. I'm going to just tell a short story. We're going to hop into page three. How will you know that you've started to establish trust with your team? That's what, you know, Katie started to ask. And so just, you know, going back to the oyster roast story, right? So, so there it was, I was, I was uh, struggling as a principal and I was in a doctoral program at uh, UNC Wilmington at the time. And, you know, part of the doctoral program allowed us to go to South Africa uh, to uh, study their education. Uh, because uh, at the time, South Africa's graduation rate was the same as North Carolina. And it was so poor. I mean, it was, you know, they had zero resources and 45 kids in a class. And so we went to this, to this first school. It was a high school. And it was, I mean, disgusting. Like I couldn't even, like it was, it was looted. Uh, things were destroyed. They, um, uh, looters stole all the copper wiring out of the school. So, you know, here it was, it was June third time. So that's winter for them. It was, uh, you know, June. So it was cold and kids were taking their finals in the dark and next to candlelight and, and, you know, winners, you know, the windows were pro. It was, it was awful. It was maybe the most, I couldn't believe that it was like 98, percent of the kids, um, were coming to school every day, and what we learned that they were coming was, you know, based upon, um, you know, meals, right? Was a big part of it, and they knew that education was their only way out. So down walks this guy who's wearing a three-piece suit. He's wearing a three-piece suit, and and um, he he introduces his himself as the principal, and he's so excited about this this his school and the uh, computer lab that had a giant lock on it, right? And bars across that. Nobody was ever allowed in because, because um, <laughs> they're afraid everything would get stolen. And I was just like, I was ready to roll my sleeves up and just like, come on, let's get to work at this place. And I'll, I'll share some pictures with you. I was, I mean, it was terrible. So the next day, so that, 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 that was a secondary school. The next day we went to Emma primary, which was the primary feeder school for that school in uh, Port Elizabeth. This is in the townships, and you know, there's there's one well for like a thousand people. Uh, you know, there's no there's no you know there's no toilet system. They they go to the bathroom in a bucket, and the and the city comes you know once a week and takes your bucket and gives gives you a new one. Right? It was just it was just crazy to even think about you know coming from where we were, but the next day we went to the school. And it was it was beautiful, and it was everything was yellow, and the kids were running around and they were happy and they were playing. And, And 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 there was great inspirational quotes on the walls, and the classrooms were filled. They looked like elementary classrooms. I said, "What? How can this be?" We were just—it's only three kilometers away. And so a bus pulled up, a small bus, and this lady came out. She's wearing jeans, and she's wearing a you know a polo shirt, and she introduces herself as the sheriff. And in South Africa, the sheriff is the principal, and and she just started to you know talk to us about how. Um, She had wrote a grant and she used that grant money, not for curriculum, but for uh, uh, Tupperware. And and every Friday, any food that's left over from the week that goes home with uh, kids. And basically, that family, those families that were being fed, built basically a human wall around that school that no looters would ever come to that school. (laughs) Because if they did, they would be hanged in effigy outside of the place and I, it just made me really realize I'm doing this all wrong. I'm the guy in the darn three-piece suit, right? I'm more worried about production and I'm more worried about, you know, status than I am about the people and the relationships. And so that was the start of it, Katie. So, you, you know, like you started you know, what are the steps, the first step is getting getting off your own agenda and making sure that you're identifying you know what is important to your people, because that's what's going to build relationships, and relationships is leadership. You can't have trust, right? You can't have trust without relationships. You can't have leadership without trust. So that's a big part of the formula. So everything, everything begins with a desire to place value in other people.
1: Hmm.
0: You got to show it prior to it being warranted, right? Share your experiences. Trust is essential to all relationships and leaders build trust by leading a life of character. And I wasn't leading a life of character at that time. I wasn't leading a life of character. It, it was a very, very powerful experience for me and eye-opening. And then after that, then I got to come home and I got to study um, the the you know five charter schools in North Carolina. Uh, that were you know chosen for my dissertation study and I didn't know these people at the time but some of you may have heard these names now Joy Warner was one school so I got to study <laughs> the community school of Davidson and to and to learn leadership from Joy and I went to Mountain Community School which is a small K8 you know charter school which taught me very lots of you know great things about initiatives that I brought back to my school I learned from Alex Quigley who was at Marion Joy at the time I learned from Rudy Swafford who was at Greensboro Academy at the time now he's at Summerfield and Alex is the He's a charter school advisory board chair, and he turned around Healthy Start. And then the fifth school was the Franklin Academy, which is the largest charter school in North Carolina, and um, uh, Denise Kent. And so I just had this unbelievable, like six to nine months of better vision, better understanding, more clarity, right? I was able to establish some, some clarity in what I wanted, and then it was amazing, Katie, that all those initiatives that I was shoving down the first, you know, year and a half,
1: mm-hmm.
0: all just started to work organically happen without me asking. <laughs> I totally <laughs> out forgot of the about way. most of them. I totally <laughs> forgot about most of them. All of a sudden, all these individuals, all these teachers, they were, you know, they were diving in to do things that it might not have the exact name that I called it, but it was what I said it we wanted to do we had this standing ovations you know a way to a way to um uh to uh, you know express gratitude towards towards like individual students that were not scholarly stuff it was all about character they were doing the right things not not because dr miller said so but you know because it was just the right thing to do and now we see that in lots of these schools we saw it at the right at the right Garden with the hero builder and the and the you know personalized you know uh, leadership um uh, at at uh, the lab school, so it, it, it was amazing to me to uh, realize. So so my own you know personal changes, right? I was leading Gamblers Anonymous meetings. I was I was mentoring you know people. I was staying clean. I was learning how to be a better human being. At the same time, I was learning how to be a better human being from global you know global people, right? From very small into Wilmington to South Africa about what leadership and trust really really was so so you know when you when you think about you know reflections and and how will you know that you've established trust um with your team right you've got to get to that relying implies a free choice to commit oneself to another person right at the top of page three a free choice to commit yourself and that's what was happening like hmm. now, now the staff was doing it on their own. It wasn't about Tom. I didn't even have to lead. I didn't lead staff meetings anymore. I just, it was a free choice. They were bringing things to me to do. Yeah, I had this idea over the weekend. Hallelujah. Let's do it. I don't even care what it is. I'm all for it because I didn't have that before. I remember, nobody was telling me anything except right, the right. bathroom, right? Or, or, you know, do, do kids walk on the right side or the left side? I was like, what? What do you mean? We walk like we drive.
1: Now, would you say you knew what you were doing, or were you just naturally kind of adopting what you saw in these fantastic school leaders?
0: Um, you know, well, what I had learned is that the only the only initiative that mattered was relationships. Mm. And um, you know, one goal is a goal, two goals are half a goal, and three goals are no goals at all. So I just kind of put it in stone that that next year everybody there would only be one one initiative and that was to build relationships student to student student to adult school to home right That that was really it and then once we did that it just started the other things started to just happen yeah And, and um yeah so that that so and i learned that from joy and i learned that from the leader who was at mountain community school at the time and uh, Rudy Swafford really helped. I mean, you know, they, they, you know, Alex and Rudy were very clear about what they wanted. The Franklin Academy is a very, very clear. This is what we do. With lots of non-negotiables there. But Joy, Joy School Community School, Davidson, the Mountain Community School were very relationship heavy, and that that was just a big, you know, part, you know, for me. So did I know? No, <laughs> but I knew I had a problem.
1: <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. That's clear.
0: I was going to lose my job. Right. I mean, uh, that, that really was a big, that was a big part of it. So, so risking applies one free choice. And then a second one, risking implies the willingness to suffer loss in case things go wrong in a relationship. Right. So only when people have something to lose, does trust have meaning. So, I mean, in a sense, I mean, when I think back on it, that 360 evaluation that I got, that, and that oyster situation and the, 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 and the turnover, like those were like, I wasn't going to have a job anymore. So trust, trust became very important to me, <laughs> <laughs> sure. but it wasn't intentional. I didn't say, Oh, I have to go build trust with people. That's not, that's not what I did. I just started to realize, you know, my awareness was growing that I wasn't the leader that people needed me to be. And so, um, you know, part of that. So team members were showing more initiative, taking roles that were out of their job description uh, they, you know, they they didn't have to do these things, and they were just you know doing them organically. Uh, you know, um, the last thing that you know middle school teachers want to do is teach more classes. They were creating their own electives based upon whatever you know talent and <laughs> strengths. They had. So they 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 like, hey, we have a solution. Why don't we just teach a class? Okay. Okay. okay wow. And then the last one is uh, sharing implies that people give something of themselves, right? So you. So these are the three things that you'll start to see. You'll see that free choice to commit oneself, the willingness to suffer losses, right, and that uh, people are willing to give something, right, time, their energy, affection to other people, and receive something in exchange. That that's that's really what it came down to. Those were the first three signs <clears throat> that you know that you were starting to establish trust. So with that, there's four levels of trust. And the first one is negotiated trust. And this, and this, this is the level you know, exists when you know, uh, people need formal agreements. <laughs> so this is totally transactional. This is the very uh, bottom. So if you think about leadership, it's, it's the positional leadership part. It's the very, very bottom of leadership. So uh, people need formal agreements and trust exists only to the extent that things that are um, agreed upon. Right, you only trust what people state in that agreement, and and this is, you know, sometimes as a dad, this is how I feel. Right, I got an 11-year-old daughter and a 6-year-old son, and and I feel that it's mostly negotiated trust at this point. (laughs) You know, certain certain aspects. The second level trust is conditional trust, and this and this trust exists when people are willing to give each other the benefit of doubt, but reserve full judgment until they see how everybody else behaves. Right. So you think about culture, and a big part of culture is influence. And so recently we had talked about when schools were having a hard time moving initiatives forward, I say, well, what teachers are driving the initiatives? And Mm. what's their level of influence in the building? That's important to think about, right? So most people adopt a way to see attitude to be able, you know, to see where they go, right? But you'll, so so you move from negotiated trust, which is do it because I'm your boss, to a conditional trust, And yeah, maybe okay. I'll I'll put my toe in the water. Let me see what's going on here. But let me see what the other people are doing. All right. Let me see who else who else is in. So if you're having a, if you're having a struggle with anything in your organization, find the pockets of influence and get them on your side. If you can get them on your side, you're in great shape, right? What did What did uh, uh, Debra? No, it was um. It was uh, Carly Batchelor shared it for us uh, last year, right? It's the 25. 50, 25 twenty five percent of your people will do anything that you ask them to do because they uh, totally uh, believe in you and you have you have their influence and then there's a bottom twenty five percent that will do everything the opposite and they you know never want you to have have influence and they'll do anything that they can. The fifty percent in the middle haven't made up their mind yet yeah. so your job as a leader right Katie is to keep is to keep that bottom twenty five percent Away from the middle 50 as much as possible.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah. Keep them busy so they don't <laughs> infect the 50%.
0: That's right. That's right. So, then level three is uh, cooperative, right? This is uh, cooperative. And this is at this level of trust, you know, people have expectations of one another, but failing to meet these expectations doesn't automatically erode uh, trust, right? I've gained your permission. It's the level two leadership. I'm gaining per- uh, permission with leadership. Um, you have, you have not let me down. Um, and even when you do let me down, I, you know, I can tell that you have the right heart in mind and you're doing it for the right reasons. And I'm like, minded. Right, So um, this is, this is when you start to see uh, people uh, actively seeking ways to further understanding and reconcile differences. Right. And it, And I think, Katie, this is maybe the most common challenge that we see as charter school leaders and consultants is, I don't know how to have that conversation with that person. Uh I'm afraid to have that conversation with that person. Right. Right? And and so very, very common part. So that's that level two and three is where they're stuck. They just, they don't, they want to, they want to, they want to figure it out, but they're afraid to figure it out.
1: And they don't and, know where the way in. They're trying to find that avenue that's in. Right.
0: Yeah. And there's some people that never have any problems with just telling people how bad they are at things. And that's a whole different problem. That's not yes, for this that, call, maybe, but
1: <laughs> that is a whole different problem.
0: <laughs> but the last level, the highest level is unconditional trust. And this trust exists when uh, people rely on the word of others without questioning. Right. This is that top 25%. These are the, these are the people that have the most influence over you in whatever role. You know, you know, you know, you're in, you will trust them going through anything. Um, it's unaffected by, by, by individual weaknesses, and, and it's just really unquestioned faith, you know, placed upon the values, the intentions, and the actions and the uh, decisions of another. And we've, I've watched this un, un, unconditional trust take organizations like into the ground because, you know, people believe in the leader so much, um, right? So it's, it's important <laughs> that you, as a leader, have really good people that you have unconditional trust with. That'll tell you you're heading in the wrong direction. Mm -hmm. Right. And it's a special note here at the bottom. Trust does not exist. looks like it's actually on the, um, yeah. Trust does not exist unless it exists in you. Trust does not exist unless it exists in you. Now I've never personally met a person who had uh, unconditional trust with others that they didn't trust themselves. Right. Trust is really an inside job. So, so, you know, remember I talked about you have to have, you know, trust and faith in yourself to be able to trust other people, right. To give that trust, to give that uh, belief. So, so if you don't trust somebody, it's actually a sign of a little bit of insecurity internally on your end. Mm. And I remember hearing a leader say, said, um, well, I don't, if I'm going to be the one going up in front of the board of education and getting reprimanded about it, I'm going to be the one doing it. Huh. So she had insecurity with her job and her role and her ability and her people. And therefore it was creating this vicious cycle. This huh. is vicious, vicious cycle. And, and so I think my biggest evidence of, of that Katie has been since February 12th, 2006, I haven't you know placed a bet. It took me, many years to get over some other character flaws. I'm still working on all of those, but I mean, my, my, uh, recovery there, the more that I trust me, the more I can trust other people and trust the people around me, uh, to be able, um, you know, to do that. Right. So whether it's, you know, members of our team here, uh, you know, with our company or, you know, we, we outfit, we outsource, you know, some jobs I and mean, those, you know, people are representing us, uh, in these other schools and we, we trust and hope <laughs> that they are, um, you're doing a great job there.
1: That's right.
0: Mm-hmm. So let's, so let's go through this uh, trust busters versus the trust builders, right? Let's, let's uh, finish strong with the trust busters versus the trust builders. And so the first trust buster is breaking promises, right? Don't mm. break promises. Don't never promise more than you can perform, right? In fact, I mean, sometimes we say, let's underpromise and over deliver. That's a much better thing. And we see that in you know, charter schools often that make significant promises to their community at the very front of a you know, school start, but they never talk about the reality of the timeline of those actual promises, you know, being tangible. Right. And right. all of a sudden they, you know, ruin trust and credibility all over. So the first trust buster is someone who breaks promises.
1: That's right. Not realizing that, especially in the charter school world, you're going to have a vision, but it might take eight years to bring that full vision to fruition. Mm -hmm. And that's really hard to convey to parents and stakeholders, but the, the, the skilled leader can build that trust. Like we're going to build this piece and then, you know, create that, cast that vision really effectively.
0: Yeah, that's good. The second one is talking behind people's backs Mm -hmm. Whoever gossips to you will be a gossip of you. And oh my gosh, I think this for me, and I have to do a shout out to Jeff Gorski, who is you know former teammate and now he's a principal at Envision Science Academy. He called me out on this and um, I just didn't know, right? I was just talking, right? And I, I I dare use the term locker room talk because that would be <laughs> that's not who I want to lump myself with. But just, you know, you just sometimes you're just, you know, talking and you and you say something about someone or something or some organization. And then I just never thought about that. What is the other person thinking? Like, so now I see it, I catch it all the time. And I and I have vowed that if when I hear a principal talk bad, right, or when I hear someone talk bad about someone else in your organization in front of someone else that they shouldn't, I immediately call them on because I didn't for a while. And I have to, because I wouldn't be doing my job otherwise. And I have to tell them, you may not realize this, but you just, you just uh, decreased the bottom line culture in this organization because you made that, ter- that comment in front of that uh, person. Right? You're complaining down. You can't complain down to your people. You have to give up the right to complain down. You got to bring it all up. That's that's why leadership is hardest, especially when you're maybe at the top of the organization. Any thoughts on that one? Talking behind people's back.
1: Oh, I, I think it's really key because when you get comfortable, you know, you think, well, I'll just tell you. Mm-hmm. and And then that's just so you've just told the person, you know, like the quote says, that you know now, I'm gonna. I'm willing to talk about you behind your back too. I think yes. that's what that message says.
0: That's right. Uh, the third one is being judgmental and sure. overly critical. <clears throat> and I love this quote here: uh, "You have to be little to be little, right?" And so there's a there's a story that John John Maxwell talks about this. He said uh, um, I shared this with my wife today. She got a little bit of a kick out of it. So. So uh, uh, the newly married bridegroom, you know, said, Hey, now that we're married, uh, my dear, you know, I hope you won't mind me mentioning a number of uh, defects that I've noticed about you. (laughs) And and, and she said, not at all, dear. Uh, Those uh, defects are what kept me from getting a better husband. (laughs) (laughs) And, 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 and so this, being openly judgmental, I think, is a really hard a really hard conversation to have um, uh, with with you know leaders. But you've got to right when you have that higher level of awareness. First of all, you have to make sure you don't do it yourself, right? You got to you got to self lead yourself, and then and then and then you have the right because here's the thing you know we've uh, talked about your walk has to match your talk. So you can't tell other people don't judge, don't talk behind your back, don't gossip when you just walk into the next room and do the same darn thing. Uh, So that's a big part of it, right? Your self-leadership is going to determine uh, whether people follow you or not, right? So it's the law of the picture. And number four there is, is uh, twisting the truth, right? Twisting the truth. So, you know, if you, if you forfeit the confidence of your fellow uh, 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 people that you're, you're never going to regain the respect and esteem, right? So don't, so don't twist the truth, show them the current reality. I mean, that's really, you know, I mean, what we hear most often in, 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 in poor relationship, you know, situations that we get hired to come in and, and have a crucial conversation, you know, people want to know. They want to know what they've done and they want to know the truth. They don't want to be wishy-washy about it. And they just tell me what I'm doing wrong so I can get better at it. Now, it takes a tough skin and you have to be able to do it with, with honesty, and respect. And that's, you know, and that's the challenge uh, of it to be able to get there.
1: I remember that one teacher said that the transparency over the budget was why, you Mm -hmm. know, Bradford was the school where she has stayed. She had been with two other charter schools and she just didn't trust that they were going to function in a few years, but Bradford opened their books and explained Mm -hmm. this is the plan. This is where, and now she's sitting in a big, beautiful science lab equipped really well
0: yeah 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 that's a really good observation of that and and yeah being being true right being big with your vision but clear with where we are now
1: (laughs) right and then what did that do it freed her to develop innovative science Mm -hmm. classes remember she talked about well i'll let the kids tell me what they want to learn so we now have physics and she just started rattling off you know, 15 different science subjects and she's willing to teach it because Mm -hmm. she, you know, feels valued and trusted.
0: Yep. This last one here. So it's on the top of page four is uh, taking care of personal needs and wants at the expense of others. This is, that's, that's the last trust buster, taking Mm -hmm. care of personal needs and wants at the expense of others. And so, you know, once trust, trust is lost in any relationship, it's, it's really like a mirror that's struck by a stone, right? You know, You know, the glass shatters, right? Or even like, you know, like if you drop a pot, I mean, you know, the glass shatters and you have the ability to glue it all back into position, but it's still cracked, right? It's, it's there's there's deep and there's numerous cracks. And I, and when I was uh, preparing, it made me think of my first or second year as a teacher. uh, I got called to the office um, for an action plan. I was being put on an action plan, shockingly, right? I was being put on an action plan. And so the principal's there, and she's you know telling me all the things that are you know happening, and my mentors to my left, and um, she just starts rattling off these things, and I'm just you know in total denial, and like I wish I just knew you know I I, I wish I knew who who had these uh, problems. No, you know nobody's come to me. And she looked at me, she put her pen down, and she looked over at my mentor, and she said, well. Would you like to tell Mr. Miller who has the problem? And it was her. It was the mentor. The mentor never came to me about anything. Yet she was feeding, she was feeding the principal all this information that they thought I was doing wrong. Now, she had to remain my mentor because that's just the way it was for years.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: But I never trusted her anymore. I couldn't tell her anything. And I couldn't tell her anything. So once, you know, once that mirror is broke, it's broke, but the only way to repair it is is to is to you know live day by day with your new values, right? Make a commitment, you build hope, you keep a commitment, you build trust. And and eventually maybe, you know, if I saw her, you know, by guns are by guns, right? But I've had to do the same thing. You know, I've lost hundreds of thousands of dollars on a brand new teacher salary. <laughs> You know, I had lots of relationships to rebuild, to rebuild, you know, trust with. And it started with that, right? It just started with me taking care of me first, you know, learning and building my own awareness and addressing it. But I think that number five to me, Kate, is maybe the greatest violation of trust. And when you take care of your own personal needs at the expense of other people, that that one right there for me is, is, is you know, the worst of the five. So yeah, when, you, when you're making decisions for your organization go in this order there it's organization first team second and you third like if you can just work on that mentality of you know i'm going to make this decision what's best for the, or- the organization number one my team number two and myself we go last right
1: mm-hmm.
0: right and your organization i mean everybody your students you know everybody has a whole you know Okay, so what's your call to action through that? We we talked about establishing trust, the levels of trust, and, and and trust busters. So what's the one thing that you're gonna start doing? Write that in your, write that in your call to action. You of you know, something you're gonna start, maybe something you're gonna stop doing, and something you're going to, something you're going to improve on, and and write that down. And then we're gonna we're gonna hop into our trust builders. So I know my stop, my stop, Kate, and I'm going to ask you to be my accountability partner is, is to stop, not necessarily not asking for help, right, but stop letting the uh, self-limiting beliefs, right, or, or the previous history um, stop me from asking, you know, for help, right? And, and, you know, getting better at being clear on the front end mm-hmm. um, and, you know, trusting that that person's going to do as best as they can and then taking the time to, uh, you know, mentor, you know, them or, or to coach them, to get to the result, uh, that I'm, that I am looking for. Okay. If anybody else wants to you know, pop theirs in the chat? I would love it. Um, Katie, what do you have a, do you have a start stop or uh, get better at for that one?
1: Well, yeah, I'm just thinking of a current situation where I did not, just like you were saying, I did not clarify the process to an organization and now I'm frustrated with their response to that process but I never I never told them like hey look you know this first draft I'm just looking for ideas not you know like editing services and and so then when I just got editing services I was frustrated but so I I need to just like you I need to back up and and learn from it but this makes me think of um Maxwell Maltz's words in his book, Psycho-Cybernetics, which sounds Mm -hmm. like a goofy title, but it's a great book. He says, you know, you make mistakes, mistakes do not make you. Mm -hmm. So, So I can make those mistakes and just learn from them instead of saying, well, I'm just a bad communicator. No, I communicated poorly that one time, but I can get better next time.
0: Yeah, that's great. You know, that's a, you know, that's a big one. And, and I love that you got to slow down the speed up, but I think you just need to keep that, you know, keep that in the forefront. All right, let's roll into our trust builders. Our first trust builder is to keeping your word, keeping your word. (laughs) It doesn't seem again. It's not rocket science. I'm not, I'm not really throwing anything out here that isn't, but keeping your word.
1: Keep There's a, cha- a comment in the chat box from yep. Courtney.
0: I see it. I'm going to hop into it here in a sec. Yeah, I see it. Okay. So keeping your word. Let me, let me just get through this words to remember in keeping your word, and then, and then, and then we'll get to Courtney's. Uh. So the first keeping your word uh, um, is integrity, right? Hmm. Acting in forthright and truthful manner, right? We mean what we say. So the first words in keeping your word is integrity, The second one is consistency, making words and actions compatible, right? We do what we say. And this is the law of the picture. You know, people don't do what people say. People do what people see. Oh, Katie Ridenour. That one to me, that's probably been my biggest (laughs) leadership landmine. People don't do what people say. People do what people see. And that's a big one. Law of the picture. You've got to watch it all over your organization. That is culture. Right there, culture is the sum of the actions of the behaviors of the people. Mm -hmm. Your third word to remember in keeping your word is reliability, right? Keep your promises. You can count on what we do and say, right? Keep your promises. And the last one is interdependence, right? Establishing a relationship. We're all in this. We're all in this together. All right, so Courtney says, uh tips for someone that's in a leadership position, but they don't trust their own ability. Okay. Yeah. Um, what is it that you don't trust? Right? What is it that, that has got you um holding back of what that might be? And and so I was coaching a leader yesterday and they talked about they have, and this might not be you, but they were talking about uh perfectionism, right? They really he's he said out loud, he said. And he might hear this, I don't know. But he said, I like to boast that I've actually never made a mistake. (laughs) I said, I've never failed, actually, was his word. I've never failed in my leadership.
1: Hmm.
0: And I I challenged him back and I said, well, how many opportunities have you missed out on? Because you've never failed.
1: He's just staying safe.
0: That's right. Now, that's going to be a lot of work. You know, if he's going to, you know, continue and chew on that question, just like my coach asked me, what's stopping you from asking for help, right? So I think that's the first, you know, question I would look at. If you don't, what is it that you don't trust about your own abilities? And, 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 and what is it that you're afraid of, right? If you've been promoted into a uh, position of authority, I'm going to already guess that you have some skills, right? You've done something to get there. It didn't, it didn't happen by uh, like, like a survivor's or well, like even survivor, right? The last person on the island earns it there, right? Because they get voted off or they don't get, they don't get voted off. So, so you've already done something, right? So be gentle on yourself. There's, there's something you've done. Now, if you're put in a position where you don't necessarily have the skill sets you feel to be able to do that, you have two choices. You can surround yourself with individuals who have those strengths, Okay. And, and, and you keep the vision forward, or you can go, you know, get better and, you know, get, you know, training and, and, you know, whatever that area might be. So, um, you know, I mean, if you want to share more about what you might not feel uh, confident, you, you can on this session, or we could, you know, we could talk about another time, um, either me or Katie, whoever you feel more comfortable with, but, but I think that's where I would go first, right? What is it that I'm actually afraid of? What's the worst that could happen? And I always ask later, what's the worst that could happen if you're not at your school for the day? And who's to say that it wouldn't happen if you were there? Yeah, it's the same <laughs> thing. You know, what, what honestly could happen? I mean, if you're, if you're at a point where you're afraid to leave your school, then you're not doing your job at the school. And your job at the school is to mentor and build and grow other people and achieve through other people, not just do things to, to people. Does that help any at all? Katie, do you have anything else to add to, add to that?
1: Yeah, I think that's really, um, you know, someone who says I've never failed, then I, they, they are not taking risks because mm-hmm. they're just staying in their safety zone. Um, but I wonder what their staff would say if you ask them, mm-hmm. uh, you know, has your leader ever failed? Has he ever failed you? <laughs> that might be a, you know, you might get a different answer.
0: Yeah, Cynthia shared to get a mentor, it's helped her, and it's even built her a confidence getting feedback and encouragement. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, so like, here's an example, okay. Um, there's been three or four times in my life where I've weighed 230 plus pounds, right? I'm five foot six, right? So that's kind of obtuse. And and so the first couple of times, like, or like, even like, with like, my like gambling? I never... I never imagined myself not having a day at gambling. I, you know, I never imagined myself not being a size you know, 40 or 42 waist. I wanted to do that, but I never, I never knew how to get there. So when you start to change your mindset and, and, and say, well, up until now, I didn't know how, right? Up until now, right? So up until now, I haven't been a good leader at X. However, moving forward, this is what I'm going to do, right? This is what I've learned uh, to do. So, so the last time that I had gained all this weight back, right, you know, 40 pounds back almost, someone had said to me, you should, you should, you know, you should. I said, well, don't shoot on people, first of all. I already know how to do it because I've done it before. So Courtney, every time that someone that you have a self-doubt, think about a time where you were successful and it wasn't in your strength zone. Because I guarantee you've got a hundred or more um, experiences where you have stepped outside of your comfort zone or you've achieved the exact same thing that you're telling yourself in your brain that you can't achieve. And be careful what you say to yourself because your voice is the most, the most powerful, right? So that's a big, that's a big part of it.
1: And what I'm thinking of is there are specific things that, that stop me and make me doubt whether I can do and for me, it's if I have a lack of clarity about what the outcome is supposed to be, instead of just asking the person, like, say, asking you, hey, Tom, what did you really want from this? I'll just, I'll avoid it for a little while. <laughs> and and then I recognize, Katie, you're avoiding. You just have to ask some questions. Um, and so I think trying to figure out what are those situations that cause the lack of confidence could be really helpful.
0: Yeah, I mean, a lot of it could be that... Um you know, we all, we've all been shaped by our um, environments. And as much as those people closest to us love us, they're a big part of our problem. Because <laughs> they've always tried to keep us safe, right? Or they don't, they, you know, they don't want you moving to that next level, right? They don't want you. I know when I started this company, oh my gosh, I lost a lot of friends. They didn't want, you know. I was like, well, you know, don't, don't be crabbing a bucket. Like I can't have you against me. Right. You know, you know, not out loud at least. (laughs) Right. Um, So yeah. So good job. You said, thanks everyone. And you know, happy to file back up, but that's a big part of it. You you know, you you are already in a position where you've been successful. So keep yourself in that mindset and, you know, remember failure is an event. It's not a person. No, no person's a failure. They can achieve anything. Mm -hmm. Right. You learn to, to so walk, ride a bike, talk, swim, um, all sorts of things, without knowing now, know you know how to do it. So, yeah. Okay, number two, trust builder is to uh, share respect to others. Okay, share respect to others. Right, just follow the golden rule. I mean, John Maxwell says he said I just put a ten on everybody's head. Everybody has a ten. Now, the only way the ten can be removed is by you doing something. I'm never going to remove that. Only you can do something to remove that 10. So share respect to others.
1: Tom, would you mind repeating number one? I somehow missed that one.
0: Yeah, number one uh, was, of course, some no of other pages notes, Katie. Sorry. It's all right. <laughs> oh, keeping your word. Oh, keeping your word. Okay. Yeah, keeping your word. All the Thank answers you. are actually on the last page, but I did realize that some of them are out of order, so I'll resend. But all the answers to all the the went back on the last page. During my reread this morning, I was like, oh, that's not right. So sharing respect to others. Number three is being dependable. Being dependable. So what you do speaks so loudly in my ears that I can't hear a word you're saying. I mean, I love that Ralph Waldo Emerson. What mm. you do speaks so loudly in my ears that I can't hear a word you are saying. You know, people must experience the leader as being a believable, credible, and trustworthy person. And one of the ways that trust is uh, developed, you know, whether the leader or any other person is just through consistency in their own behavior. I mean, think about it. Think about the people that you trust the most. Their, Their walk matches their talk. They're very respectful to everybody, right? They have integrity, right? They keep their word. And number four is, speaking the truth in love speaking the truth in love and and we trust people who help us discover the truth even if it's uncomfortable Mm. right often the shortest path to a trusting relationship crosses through some feelings of discomfort and and people will trust you more when they become comfortable being sometimes uncomfortable when they're with you that's why they're coming the truth isn't always very pleasant right so help them get you know, past their discomfort and move toward a decision that's going to benefit to make them feel good. And if you help people recognize the truth and deal with their discomfort, then they're going to trust you. And oh my gosh, I mean, recently, we just, were working with a, a charter school board and, you know, the board member just said, just the fact that you walked in the door, I just feel better. And it, you know, and I haven't done anything for them at that moment. But in the past, you know, I had built trust and credibility with them. And so it's really about, you know, your past actions, your reputation, if, you know, no one knows. So just be really, really careful. And your number five is cultivating a trusting heart. Cultivating a trusting heart. And that's really
1: tied to John's Start with you know everybody starts with hundred on their head right. Is you That's you have tiny. to go into, yeah. <laughs> no matter what you've heard otherwise, you have to go in and say nope. It's we're going to be good. Yeah, it's going to
0: work. And when you think about the people that have lived the longest, they've had a trusting heart, right? Because they just they just feel basic goodness in everybody, right? It's constant wave of goodness and human and human kindness. Yeah. So those are the five trust. Builders, and so uh, let's get on to this last section here, and we will be ready to go. You guys have done such a great job. I'm so you know proud of you for holding in, holding in during this time. Uh, we're, we're we're a couple minutes over than what I wanted to be, but uh, but I wanted to share this. I thought this was important. If you violate trust in the relationship, there is there is no no uh, relationship, right? So so I want to just spend a couple minutes you know you know talking about how to build a relationship when the trust is gone. Just you know, go back and reiterate. Right, I've already shared from ages nineteen to twenty-nine, lost hundreds of thousands of dollars in uh, you know gambling. You know, nobody really knew it—at least out loud. They never said it to me. Um, you know, I, I worked multiple jobs to fuel my habit. You know, I, you know, the last five years of that were very, very secretive. I was married, and a lot of a lot of things. I mean, it took me—it took me a long time, and I remember. And I remember asking my wife, maybe like a year, maybe six months to a year after I stopped, right? How am I doing? And she said, I don't really see anything different.
1: Hmm.
0: Because I may have stopped gambling, but I didn't start to build you know relationships, right? I didn't become vulnerable. I didn't put myself out there. I wasn't, I wasn't trusting of uh, people. I wasn't... And, And that's when I realized it's an inside job, you know, you have to work on you first, you know, and then it will start to show on the outside. And I wasn't really working on me. I was just checking something off the list. All right. I'm not gambling anymore, but it wasn't necessarily becoming a better person.
1: Mm, So she was speaking the truth in love. She
0: was. She was. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. I hated her for it at the time. I was really angry.
1: Yeah. I
0: mean, (laughs) Yeah, I didn't, you know, I didn't know because I didn't have the maturity yet. Right. So, you know, I'm in a big part of this. So, so we've, so, you know, if you trust, if you violate trust in a relationship, there is no relationship. So the first thing you need to do is acknowledge the problem, right? Acknowledge the problem. If you want to rebuild a relationship, acknowledge the problem. when I was a charter, so, so I still am a charter school board member, but in my first year as a charter school board member, we had adopted the weighted lottery policy as a school to, to increase the free and reduced lunch population of our school, because it was extremely low. And when this initiative was brought forth to the board, the understanding was this was a bottom up, like ask, like this was what everybody wanted to have. And when, after we voted yes, and 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 you know you know made it a true policy we had so much pushback from our stakeholders from our from our parents and from our uh, teachers so from the ages for, so from the years of 2015 to 2018 that you know policy just sat there it was approved locally but not approved by the state we did no work towards it so when I was going through these, you know, six steps, you know, the first thing was acknowledge uh, the problem. So When I became board chair in 2017, and so my second year as a board chair, the first thing I did I said, "We're going to work on one thing this year. We're going to rebuild this relationship with our stakeholders based upon that policy." So I had to acknowledge the problem, right? I had to acknowledge what the history was and where we were. Okay, and what we, as a few, you know, board members left you know, we, number two is you got to choose to forgive. You know, we, we had to make sure that we didn't hold grudges versus the staff. Cause I'll be honest, I was holding grudges still versus the way that they, you know, treated us after, you know, after that time, there were some hurt feelings and there were some things said, but you know, whenever trust is broken, you've got a difficult choice. You got to harbor your hurt and reinforce your mistrust or forgive the other person. And so that was the one thing is we are going to, we're going to acknowledge the problem. We've got this policy. We have a fracture uh, relationship with, with our stakeholders and we, as a board, you know, we want to, we, we, we want to move forward either with or without this policy, either way, you guys are going to make the call. So there was three roads to uh, travel that, right? There was the, there was the high road, right? There's the middle road and then there's, and then there's the, the uh, low road so we weren't we weren't functioning at the high road at that time of the board we were you know we were treating others as they treated us and so you got to acknowledge the problem choose to forgive okay choose to forgive take take the high road i'm telling you the other roads are really lonely and then verbally commit and that's what we did as 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 my i knew it was going to be my last year as a board chair and i was like my, my verbal commitment is that we will have a decision of whether we are moving forward with this policy by X date. And I put it as the only goal, right? Kind of going back to my school leader style, we would build relationships, right? Well, this was, we're, gonna, we're going to stop leaking energy from this uh, policy. So we verbally committed. Now, saying that you want to rebuild trust is very risky because a lot of people didn't know what the heck I was talking about because a lot of them weren't there anymore. Uh, Or, you know, some, you know, we didn't really know what the feelings are, uh, you know, so, so, but, but the alternative was that we were going to roll off the board and this, you know, policy was going to sit there and no one was going to know what it was about, right? So verbally commit is your, is your third step. And step four was, is to risk wisely, right? So don't, don't just, um, you know, uh, commit to rebuilding means turning off your brain, right? So Trust is built by a series of successful risks. And Katie already said it, it takes thinking. <laughs> <You> know, <laughs> expressing vulnerability and, and finding a safe response. Rebuilding trust is the, it's the same process. It just starts with, with a small risk. So the, so the first small risk that we took was, can we create an ad hoc uh, committee to reinvestigate why we wanted to do this in 2015? And so step five is work together. Right. And we talked openly about this in a in a restorative way. And what and what that committee did is they actually they actually brought it to the students and it was the students who did the work. They took all the work that, that was done back in 2015 and they and they rebuilt it with new with new information. They did surveys. They did interviews. And that group of students was the ad hoc committee that brought it to the board the Explorers Board, to be able to vote yay or nay, hmm. right? And so we knew from that process that, like, we had gone through the rebuilding, and we had gone all the way as far as we could in terms of stakeholders, and we had multiple town hall meetings. You know, there was a lot of steps in between there. But the working together part was basically, you know, a bunch of fourth graders asking <laughs> a board or telling a board, you're not, you're not adhering to the vision of the school. Hmm. This is a school that solves global problems locally, but we can't do that because you know it was like 93 percent of our population were non economically uh, disadvantaged. Our our African American population was you know definitely not over ten percent, and you know we were all diverse because everybody's you know diverse, but we didn't look diverse, and so that was that was you know the main goal. So then number six is celebrate the victory. They celebrate the victory. And once they brought it to us, there was no reason. It was an easy unanimous decision from staff to board to move forward. And, you know, we're still working hard. This is our second year. We've actually you know doubled the um, free and, and uh, reduced uh, population so far um, in, in about 18 months, uh, which is great. And so there's still a lot of ton of work to do. But I think I'm most proud of that moment. I've got a lot of other things I'm not proud of as a board chair that, you know, we still have to work on, it, but that, but that one, I think when I, when I looked at this process, I like, Oh gosh, this is the same thing that we went through to rebuild that trust uh, with, with the staff. So, so if you didn't catch the six steps, let me go through them real quick one more time. So acknowledge the problem, choose to forgive, verbally commit risk wisely, work together and celebrate the victory. So what's your call to action, right? Write it down now. So, so we're pretty much out of time. And there's a, you know, there's a page of application exercises there that I, that, I, that I put in there for you to start to do um, with your team. And, and, um, but I want to hear what your call to action is. And you know, based upon this lesson, what is it that you're going to apply in your life? What is it that you're going to change? And what is it that you're going to teach some, someone else? What are you going to apply? What are you going to change? And what are you going to teach? So what I want to do, Katie, is, you know, we had talked about this. I want to do something special for the people that, you know, follow us live. And, you mm-hmm. know, there's only one way out of that feeling stuck, right? And feeling stuck really stinks. And that's, and that's up, right? You just got to move up. <laughs> you got to move, move right. in a direction. And because you never want to stop growing yourself or your team, because if you're not, you know, growing, you're dying, right? So, you can't change without the awareness. We've talked about that. We can't change our trust without the awareness that we're not trustworthy, right? Or something's happening to erode trust. And awareness is that key to growth. And I believe this lesson has certainly changed, you know, some awareness, you know, with the folks here or the folks that are going to listen um, on the archive, you know, when, when we put it on our podcast. You know, we got sixteen thousand downplays of our podcast. So I'm really excited to hear what you know people have to say about. You know, you know about this trust uh, lesson, and how and how we can improve it, and, and what are some ways to help them. But since there's no leadership without trust, and there's no uh, followers without trust to take the action. So, so you really need to build your trust. Is what I'm is what I'm saying. So, so what what I want to do is is. Um, you know, I talked about that six week, you know, program that, you know, we'll be doing. And, and so there's a link there and you can go, you know, to it and, and, and we would love for everybody to uh, participate in this uh, study. And, and so right now the, you know, the price is $147 to, to have the lifetime access of, of that work. Right. And that lifetime access would mean any new resources or any new lessons we ever do about building a cohesive team is right there. But what I'm going to do, if you type in the word trust in the coupon section, it's going to knock fifty dollars off, so it's only, it's only going to be ninety-seven dollars uh, for you to have lifetime access. And this will be; the, the, these will be seven lessons. This is, you know, lesson one. There, you know, will be, will be six more, and, and and some will be live, and some will be recorded that you can listen to at your own time. But all seven will always be recorded, so you can always have access to that. And then the bonus videos that I did, and any resources and tools to help build your team. Katie and I are going to put in there um so every every friday over the next you know six weeks uh, basically a new lesson is going to be uploaded for you to listen to on your own time and then i'll i'll uh, map out uh, some of our live uh, teachings and our live sessions so that you know so i mean and then what i want to do is i was like well, okay what well, maybe a school wants to bring their whole team into this so what we'll, so what we're going to do is is we're basically going to match uh, the price so if you have from up to 10 more people. So that would be any grade level chair, your EC person, you know, so $99 total for 10 more people, right? So you pay for yourself, right? Because we're going to add some other bonuses for you. But if you want to pay for your whole team, so $99. So from my math, I think, think that's $196 you could get. Eleven people into this, you know, study for lifetime access, and, and you can bring them in at any time. So you don't have to know who all ten are now. Uh, you'll have, you know, ten spots. Uh, so as you go through it, then maybe you could put your team, you know, through it, and you could lead them through it in the long run. You know, you know, it doesn't matter. So board chairs, EC leads. I mean, it's a, it's a perfect. It'll be a perfect, you know, process, and they'll have, you know, a lot of great resources. So you can go to the link that's at the bottom of the the worksheet now, or 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 you can go to lbleaders. Um, dot. You know, dot com, and, 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 um, and I'm going to put a uh, at the very top in blue. I'm going to make sure that that link lets you go uh, directly to it. Um, and, and, and so the links on there, use the promo code trust, and it's all lowercase, and it's going to knock $50 off. And then you can pay for yourself, and then I'll ask you if you want to bring uh, your whole uh, team in now. So, so that out of the way, I hope everybody participates. Again, you can join at any time. Um, this, this offer is going to be limited time, um, you know, for you to grab that $50 coupon. Uh, So, so the good intentions is being on this call, right? Taking your Saturday morning with us, but what's, what's your intentional action, right? So make sure you fill out that ACT, right? What's, what are you going to apply? What are you going to, what are you going to change and what are you going to teach? And because this is a great way to achieve commitment and embrace accountability, right? Just just those two right there is every meeting you have. Hey, what are you going to apply based upon what, what, what we talked about? What are you going to change? What are you going to teach, you know, someone else? But I also added on the on on the back there on page six, there's two application exercises. Right. You know, the first one is, is, is from Patrick Lencioni's The Advantage. And we use this all the time, Katie, right? We ask yeah. three uh, questions. Uh, you know, where did you grow up? How many siblings you know you know do you have, and where do you fall in that order? And you know, uh, describe an interesting or you know challenging um, you know thing you overcame as a as a child to be the adult you know you are uh, today. Or you could create your own vulnerability question. But what it does is, it was when you go around the table, you really start to hear these these um, you know stories from the other people on your team. And then you ask them, who learned something new from someone in the room? And then you get to understand. Oh, that's why Katie does what she does. Right? That's what why Tom does what he, he does. He's an only child. He didn't know. He didn't know how to build a team because he didn't have a team. It was just him. All the toys were him, right? So that makes total sense why he's why he's. demonstrate you know, that. But so, but improve trust by giving members an opportunity to demonstrate vulnerability in a very, very low risk way. I guarantee you, every time you do this exercise, you're going to learn something new about your team. Just change around the question. Or you could, you know, you know, have them, uh, you know, write like a sticky note what's something you admire about everybody in the room. I mean, you're always going to get some real good positive uh, feelings. Then the other way is, if you haven't done one of our DISC uh, profiles yet, you can, you can go to the link there, and and you know, DISC is a very effective tool that's going to take you to to really help you unlock hidden uh, potential and opportunities in your personal development. And you're going to take the guesswork out of figuring out other people right because first you understand how i am right based upon my environment and how my uh, personality style impacts how i lead and influence and communicate to other people but then if you do it with your team then you'll learn everybody's and and these are three questions that i love using uh, you know you know as a team what do i bring to my team what are some misconceptions about me and what do i need from my teammates so we love doing an exercise i love disc it's a very very great tool but you can use any you know personality indicator or any uh, behavioral assessment i'm out there we've got a bunch we've got team one we've got individual ones so we've got ones for students we've got ones for you know college and career kids so let us know if you're interested we would love to help help your team start to build build higher levels of trust and build a cohesive team and so um so that is that all right so who who's got and an ACT that they would like to share. What's one thing you're going to apply, change or teach out of, out of, um, out of this hour and a half plus that we've spent together today.
1: Well, I, I was looking at number four risk wisely um, with my personality. I tend to just think, Oh, that's a great idea. And I just jump on in mm. and And then I'm about halfway through, and I'm like, you know, maybe this isn't what I really wanted to commit my time to. Um, So just doing a little bit more assessment is – that that one was jumping off to me. And um, I I still have to think about the – what. well, I guess that's a change, too – Um, is changing my behaviors, you know, about when I get these brilliant ideas.
0: Well, just pick one, right? So just start with one. And, you know, for me, it's going to be to do a better job following the, the John Maxwell's three R's. Um, What is required of me? Uh, What does the organization get the greatest return at it when I do it? And, and what is, what is the reward? And to really make sure that we're streamlining our time um, around that. And anything that anybody can do is 80% as well as I can. I'm delegating, and I'm 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 really working towards the delegation. I have a giant list of stuff now. It's just a matter about you know getting someone on the on the phone or on the horn and say, can you do this for me? Right, you know,
1: right. Yeah, that's. What does that
0: look like? Cool. We've got uh, Courtney's got one here, so she's gonna take it back to team because I think the constant changes trust amongst the staff is decreasing. Needs to be evaluated before moving forward. Yeah, yeah. Relationships need, and, and, and need to be fixed, and just start 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 with the you know with the top levels of of influence you know, whoever that may be, and, and just start having conversations. Because if you're feeling it, they're definitely feeling it. Because uh, mm-hmm. they're in it every, every, every single day. And if you've got an initiative that's, you know, bottlenecked, I always ask the leader, look, look for the pocket of influence. There is a there is a lack of trust somewhere. So on uh, behalf of our organization, and uh, Katie Reidenauer and me, uh, Tom Miller, I'm so excited that you spent this time with us. I really hope I really want to see you as you know part of this building a cohesive team study. But either way, I know you got value out of this, out of this time. It was a little longer than I thought, so I'm sorry about that. Uh, but but I feel the value is there. You've got some some good first step indicators of 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 you know how do I measure my trust you know with my people, uh, and 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 what do, you know what are some action steps I can take uh, to start improving uh, that trust? And we're always a phone call away, so feel free to reach out to us. If you if you want to be part of the program but you're having you know, trouble with the, the online, just email me, Tom at lbleaders.com uh, or lbleaders.com and we will help you out. Or if you want to just talk more about the study, reach out at Katie and I always do. Uh, one, one complimentary um, coaching session with anybody who wants to, who needs a thinking partner to be able. uh,
1: Just to try it out. You know, just if you've never had a thinking partner, just take us up on it.
0: That's right. That's what I told my coach yesterday. I said, I've never really had a coach before. So, so, so you're, you know, this is all new to me. So, so, so be gentle on yourself. Right. So always, always be gentle. Thanks everybody. Thank you for everything that you do and, and uh, take care of yourself during this weekend Stay warm wherever you are, and I look forward to seeing you on the next call. Bye, everybody.